five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. And welcome back into the Bama on three show. This is your host, Clint Lamb, sitting here once again with Jimmy Stein. Jimmy, are you ready for a mock draft Tuesday? I am ready, man. I love mocks, and and, and I love it even more if I'm in the mock. So that's even best. And, and tonight, uh, when I say tonight, Tuesday, as we record this, uh, my favorite mock draft show all year comes on tonight on ESPN, the ESPN Nation mock draft, where they get the ESPN reporter that covers each specific team picks for that team. And, uh, Man, I, I love that stuff, but it, but even that won't be as fun as this will be. I'll tell you right now, that's that's the key to every mock draft that I've done um, in the last several years is not that necessarily that show, but mm-hmm. I follow all the beat writers and team reporters for all the various teams, and I don't pay attention nationally to what a lot of people are saying. For example, you know, I've seen Johan Dotson connected yep. to the Packers and some of these mock drafts because they do need a receiver. You follow some mm-hmm. of their beat writers, and it's like that's not the kind of receiver that they're looking for at all. You know, they want more of the Drake London, Traylon Burks, Christian Watson, that type of big body receiver. And Dotson is maybe, you know, 5'11, 178. So he's very undersized. Yeah, he's a, uh, he's a little dude. Yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of why I follow the beat reporters. They know the team, everybody's going to know the positions that they really need. But, these beat writers, they have their ear to the ground a lot more with their own personal team. And so in order to try to get as get and be as accurate as possible, I always follow those guys and get their takes on what exactly it is they're looking for. And I take that into account because, like I said, it's not always what I would do. I'm always trying to be as accurate as possible. And I think that yeah. that's very important that you understand the context. I mean, it's very hard to know the ins and outs and every little detail of every team in the NFL. But just like you and I with Alabama – you know, if we went on an Auburn podcast and talked about Auburn, even even with them being the 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 other team in the state, and we know them extremely well, we couldn't talk to somebody about Auburn in the same way that we do Alabama. That's just part of it. It's very difficult to do. But, yeah, so what we're going to do today is we're going to be doing our own mock. We're going to be going back and forth. You're going to take odd numbers. I'm going to take even numbers. We'll see what we you know, if we can't bang out uh, a pretty accurate mock draft. But it's going to be fun nonetheless. Well, uh, I'm glad we did the odd even uh, the way we did because because it seems to me uh, the, the, uh, I'm I'm real stuck at number two, so I'm glad I'm picking one. I mean, I think it's easy to to me. It's almost easier to predict what the Jags will do than the Lions. So I, I'm ready to get started. Well, I'm glad that you enjoy that because uh, <laughs> I, I was not wanting to be the one to have to make that number one overall pick because I'm still on the fence, man. I the betting odds yesterday took a big shift in Trayvon Walker's favor. Um, uh, I, I do want to point out to people that the betting odds for Mac Jones going to the 49ers the week of the draft last year poured into that being, you know, him being the heavy favorite to get taken by the 49ers. And what ended up happening, they go with Trey Lance instead. And the mock draft that I had done literally all year with uh, the Patriots getting Mac Jones, I pivoted the week of the draft and I finally gave in and mocked him to the 49ers. And I ended up being wrong. And I was mad about it because I'd stayed firm. I did not think that the 40, I was like, Mac is a good quarterback. He's not the kind of quarterback you trade up for, you know, with, with traits and stuff. But that's just, you know, what ends up happening. But who are you going to take as the Jacksonville Jaguars with a number one overall pick? Are you going Aiden Hutchinson? Are you going Trayvon Walker? Are you going to take one of these tackles? And remember, right. this is not what you would do. I think we could right. both in agreement. This is, right. you know, we would go with the protection. 
But what yeah, this, will you think the Jaguars will do? Exactly. It's a prediction. I think me and you uh, uh, both agree that if we were Trent Balke, if we were the Jacksonville Jaguars, we'd take one of these offensive linemen and build around Trevor Lawrence, even at the expense of the defense. Uh, <clears throat> I do not believe that's what the Jaguars are, are, are going to do. I'm going to predict with the first pick, uh, the Jaguars are, are going to go almost what I would call chalk, even though he's not the bet betting favorite. I think the Jaguars will draft Aiden Hutchinson number one. Yeah, I, I'm still on board with that as well. Even though, you know, Trent Baalke, he's always lights, you know, I, traits and the profile over the production. Yep. So that would more so make you lean towards Trayvon Walker. And that's certainly possible. But I think in this particular case, man, I don't think Aiden Hutchinson is a surefire number one overall pick, but I think he's a much safer bet. You know, he's got Thanks. the size, he's got the <laughs> length. He's great, you know, football character. He will, he will be great for the locker room, can set the edge against the run. He anchors well. Scheme versatility, can offer some as a pass rusher. So I like that pick. I think that'll be just fine. And with you going with Aiden Hutchinson, Detroit fans everywhere are probably disappointed they don't keep the Michigan boy in state. But I do think they're really going to like Trayvon Walker. They didn't have a lot of sacks last year. I think they had 30 as a team, which finished 30th in the NFL. And so even though I think they need improvement at quarterback, they need improvement at a lot of positions. They need another receiver. Amon Ross St. Brown, I think, was a key piece in the fourth round last year. He ended up exceeding expectations, even though you know I was a lot higher on him than him falling to the fourth round last year. I think he had a heck of a rookie season, and he's setting them up to have a, at least one good receiver. But if they need somebody else, need safety help. But I think that with the pass rush, you got to get that taken care of got to get a guy who has some positional flexibility can play inside he can play outside in Trayvon Walker extremely powerful at the point of attack and I think he's going to end up being a pretty good player for Detroit so I'm going to go with Trayvon Walker at number two overall so that kicks it back to you with the Houston Texans at number three uh, so tough here because this is a spot where Evan Neal could go uh, and, and I may do that here um, you know I, I was just I think if, if I'm going to be critical of the Jaguars not building around Trevor, the Texans love Davis Mills. They say they do. D Davis had an unbelievable rookie season, considering where he was drafted. QB country guy, I've met Davis. Uh, uh, great, great dude. Uh, you know, I, I, I hope for his sake, and I think the Texans thing, I think the right thing to do here is offensive line, Neil or Iguanu. I think that's the right thing, but I, I'm predicting – what, what's going on here, and, and this will be a bit of a curveball, but this is what I would predict happened based on those first two picks. Uh, I, I'm going to say the Texans select Kayvon Thibodeau at number three, and we go uh, three pass rushers in a row, I think, for the first time in draft history. Man, that would be wild, and I certainly think that's a possibility. There's a lot of desirable traits and, and qualities with, with uh, Thibodeau. You know, he can convert speed to power. He's a good run defender willing backside defender as far as, you know, chase ability, but he's still somewhat raw as a prospect. I don't think he has always has a plan as a pass rusher from when I saw on tape. Um, right. You know, the hand usage lacks consistency. Play recognition is a little bit questionable, but the overall traits and upside is, is certainly there. And uh, we do know that the Texans need pass rushing help. You know, they had Jadavian Clowney. He's gone. He's been gone. They had, you know, Whitney Merciless. He's been gone for a while. They had J.J. Watt. He's been gone for a while. They need that next guy who's going to be their premier pass rusher. And a guy like Kayvon Thibodeau would certainly fill that void. Predicted Thibodeau to go. I would do that. I think they should draft Evan Neal or uh, uh, Icky Iguanu there. I mean, just like I said at number one, I think that's what they should do. I'm just predicting they go 
pass rusher just because uh you know again stuff i read stuff i see i'm i'm, I'm predicting that happens but uh but they should go if they're smart they go neil or iguanu yeah i and i completely agree with you you know i think in my mock draft i had evan neil going number three and it's certainly possible they can go with iki iguanu um they yeah. should but you know Kayvon thibodeau the the pass rusher man it's just the reason that I say that they need to go offensive tackle there, and they have the opportunity, I think they pick, what, at number 13? So they That's have right. the option to add an, another offensive lineman there. But right. I think that if you're trying to figure out if Davis Mills, if yeah, you're trying to figure out if Davis Mills is truly your franchise quarterback, he's got some traits that you like. They drafted him pretty high last year, I think, in the second round. If you want to find out this year if he's your guy, get him more protection and give him the best chance to succeed – and that way you can figure out if he's not your guy, then you can move on next year and start working on trying to find your next Deshaun Watson. But if he doesn't have the protection, then you won't ever truly know what he is or isn't as a quarterback. And he's not an overly mobile guy. In fact, he's not really mobile at all. So you want to put the hogs in front of him, which is why I think it's so important that you secure. I mean, if you can secure, have your pick of the, the offensive tackles, any offensive tackle in this class that you want, that's what I would do. And you worry about the defense later. It's kind of like the Jaguars and, and the offensive line, but that's just my opinion. That brings us to the New York Jets at number four. This one's tough. They certainly need an offensive tackle. They do have another pick in number 10, which I think could be used on an offensive tackle if they pass it You know, with one here. They've got some options there. George Font is going to be a free agent after this season. He's getting up there in age. I think he's 30 years old. Makai Becton, who was their first-round pick you know, a couple of years ago, he's dealt with some injuries. He's dealt with some weight issues. The, the team's thinking about moving on already because he's kind of become a headache. I don't know if they actually end up doing that, but if they do, they have to have somebody to keep Zach Wilson protected. That's the guy you took number two overall last year. And right. with these young quarterbacks, man, I'll continue to reiterate this while we keep talking about it. You have to be able to keep them protected. Give them the best chance to succeed. Worry about the other stuff later. If you waste high draft capital on a quarterback and then you let him get ruined because you don't put the necessary pieces around him to give him a chance to succeed, then you wasted that high draft capital drafting him in the first place. And so that's why I think it's very important for development, especially with guys like Zach Wilson. You don't want to have him getting bad traits early in his NFL career that he tries to rely on because you're not putting the necessary pieces around him. That being said, they do have the number 10 overall pick. I do think they secure more protection at that spot. Uh, it's also possible they could go receiver there. I, you know, we've heard reports that they're willing to offer up the number 10 overall pick for Debo Samuel, the 49ers receiver. And if that ends up being the case, if they want to go receiver there, I'd had Sauce Gardner, the cornerback out of Cincinnati, who I think is the best cornerback in this class over Derek Stingley, even though I think mm -hmm. Derek Stingley has a higher ceiling. I'm much more confident and comfortable with Ahmad Gardner at this point. But I'd had him there. I think he's a great fit for their defense schematically. But I think I'm going to make a switch and go with an offensive tackle because I'm not as confident that they're going to use that number 10 pick on a tackle. So I'm going to go ahead and say, and this is tough, but I'm, I'm going to go with Evan Neal. No, uh, the way the board fell, uh, I think the Jets could would, would very well do that, the way, the way that it fell. And, and I think, as usual, our thinking is, Right, a lot. I think going into this draft, the Jets are assuming slash hoping it's Sauce Gardner for who might be the best player in this draft, in my opinion. He might prove to be uh, the most consistent all-pro performer uh, in the whole draft, and I think that's who the Jets have in mind. But if Neil falls to them, 
if a guanu falls to them at four, I don't know that they can pass that up. So, uh, so I like that pick. So you're going to have the New York Jets, one of two picks. They're picking at five and seven. So you'll get to make both of the Giants picks over the next three selections. Who are you going to go right. with there at number five? Uh, well, uh, I, I was assuming, uh, and, and of course, all these uh, draft folks say assume. By the way, if people don't know, all the teams do mock drafts. They, 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 they all do this in, in their war rooms in, in the weeks and days leading up to the drafts to kind of prepare themselves for multiple contingencies. But uh, anyway, um, I am going to go uh, for the Giants with the fifth pick. Uh, I think they're hoping that even Evan Neal is there. He's not. The Jets just took him. So I think the Giants go Iki Aguanu here uh, and, and, and continue. They, they, they say that they're committed to building around Daniel Jones or giving Daniel Jones the best chance possible. And, uh, and that means offensive line help. So, uh, so Aguano goes uh, five to the, uh, to the Giants. Yeah, I think that that is a very realistic possibility. I don't think they wait on tackle till seven because I think it's very possible that the Carolina Panthers at six take one of those two guys. If Evan Neal's available, if Aquanu's available, then, it yeah, you could absolutely see him getting sniped. Granted, this puts Carolina in a very interesting predicament. Right. Do they go with a Charles Cross? You know, they got receivers. They could go with a Mod Gardner, but at the same time, you know, they drafted a cornerback last year, the South Carolina guy who's um, J.C. Horn. That was a guy who I think they took at number eight last year. So do they go with another corner? Probably not. Uh, they need a quarterback, obviously. Do I think, you know, there's been the obvious connection between Kenny Pickett and Matt Rule because Matt Rule was once the coach at Temple and they, you know, Kenny Pickett was committed to Temple and then he eventually ended up at Pitt instead. But there's a good relationship there. They're familiar with each other. I think that when you're talking about the most pro-ready quarterbacks Kenny Pickett is probably the most pro ready, even though I think there's a lot of limitations to his game. That's going to keep him from ever being one of the top 10 quarterbacks in the NFL. Do I think he could be a top 20 quarterback or a starting caliber quarterback? Yes, I do. Do I think he's going to have the upside to win you a bunch of Super Bowls without putting a ton of talent around him? No, I do not. And so then it becomes the question of, and Matt Rule, if it's his decision, which it really won't be, you know, you got GMs and other decision makers that are going to be involved in that process, but he's only got so much time to figure this stuff out. And they've talked about maybe going after Baker Mayfield. I don't think that that's going to happen. I think it's, you know, they're, they're kind of stuck with Darnold for now, but then he also can draft Kenny Pickett. I think the most likely scenario is a trade down, and then you try to target a quarterback. So even though I'm going to draft Kenny Pickett here because those two, you know, it's possible, like I said, Charles Cross is a possibility, but I think that's a little rich for, for him by at least a few picks. The most, you know, I think that it's very possible that Carolina gets Kenny Pickett, but if they do, I probably wouldn't expect it to be at number six. So I'll go ahead and take Kenny Pickett, but just keep that in mind. No, so, I was really wondering if you were going to go quarterback there. It's the first quarterback spot uh, that I see in terms of a team that needs a quarterback. Uh, agree that six is almost too rich for Kenny Pickett. However, if you believe in Kenny Pickett, it's not too rich. If you draft a quarterback that becomes your franchise quarterback, six is a fine place to take that guy. So if they believe in him, and they, and they very well might uh, in him or Malik Willis, although I agree the ties to Kenny Pickett, Matt Rule, uh, you know, uh, obviously recruited Kenny Pickett to play college football. And then on top of that, the Panthers owner is a pit guy. Uh, I, 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 I like Kenny Pickett to the Panthers there. And at the same time, I would bet against it happening. You know, I would bet 
is Kenny Pickett going to be the sixth pick in the draft to the Panthers or whoever? My answer is no. I would bet against that. But doing the mock, that's what I would, that's what makes the most sense. So that's what makes us so fun. But all right. So the Giants pick at seven, already picked Iguanu for the Giants. Uh, based on that same line of thinking, continuing to build around Daniel Jones, giving him the best chance possible. It's a deep receiver group. I think this is where the run of receivers may start. Uh, I, I'm going to go with the Giants picking uh, who I consider the most complete receiver in the draft who's healthy and can help them day one, and that's Garrett Wilson. Interesting selection. Don't hate it by any means. You know, when you look at Garrett Wilson, I mean, what he's going to be able to provide. Guy's only 183 pounds, but he's got excellent play strength for a guy who's 100, 183 pounds. He's got excellent run out to the catch ability, the acceleration, you know, good separation, good ball skills. I mean, I want to see over his last three games at Ohio State, he had like, he was averaging like nine catches per game, two touchdowns, and I want to say like 120 or so yards. I mean, he had close to 400 yards receiving in just the last three games alone. The route running is a little bit raw. Uh, he doesn't win, in my opinion, at all three levels of the field. He's not oh. that – I don't think he's going to win, you know, vertically a ton. And he does struggle to work off of press coverage a little bit, but – He's a receiver that I think that the Giants could figure out. And, and Daniel Jones is a guy that you want to – you've got him more protection. You've got a guy that, that you've now paired with Andrew Thomas, their first-round pick a couple of years ago out of Georgia to give them bookend tackles. Now you give Daniel Jones a receiver. A guy like Brian DeBall, he's going to enjoy having some more offensive weapons. And, and uh, I think that Garrett Wilson is certainly a pretty good pick for that spot. So you go with Garrett Wilson, which, you know, i got to be honest with you, the, the Falcons hate you very yeah, much. I, I think the Falcons do have their eye on Garrett Wilson, very yeah. much so. I think you have to. I mean, Auden Tate, and it's just like their entire receiving core right now is very, I mean, Kyle Pitts is going to be their number one receiving option, obviously. They're, you know, maybe a guy like Malik Willis here at number eight might make sense. I wouldn't put it past him. They signed Marcus Mariota in free agency. They're the ones that need Debo Samuel. I'd be on the phone with 49ers saying you can have that eighth pick if we have Debo. That that's that's what I think. Well, I don't see anybody in the top ten, you know, that that would need a veteran all-pro receiver type guy, especially dual threat like Debo is. You can you can line him up anywhere. That that's who ought to be on the phone with 49ers. Yeah. That and I man, you talk about Debo Samuel on the same offense as Kyle Pitts. I think that would do, you know, go a long way in shoring up their questionable pass catchers right now right and i now i'm having a tough time because i've been kind of sold with garrett wilson now granted i've acknowledged that you know malik willis is a viable candidate yeah. if they want to go the quarterback route and i'm i'm considering that here but Agreed. i also think that the receivers man it's like okay you know you can get a john mechie or someone like that in the second round there are definitely receiving options you know, you can get a George Pickens, even though I've heard there's some maturity. I mean, we know there are maturity issues, but I've heard that he hasn't really interviewed well with NFL teams. Maybe he drops. Maybe the Falcons wouldn't want that, but he's a Georgia guy. You know, David Bell's, you know, potentially a second-round pick. Sky Moore might be a guy to Western Michigan. So you can address receiver in the second round, but it's almost like I think you got to have that headliner guy. You can also, you know, worry about maybe trading up to the back half of the first round since you're an early second round pick or, you know, trading up to, you know, to the beginning of the second round, if one of these, you know, Matt Corral or one of those kind of quarterbacks 
ends up falling and maybe you can address it there. So I'm going to stick with, with receiver. I've heard a lot of good things about Drake London personally. I'm not as high on him as some of the other people are, but he's reminding a lot of people of that Mike Evans when he was coming out of Texas A&M back in 2014. Big body guy. You can move him around. He can play inside. He can play, you know, like I said, in the slot. He can play outside. Great in the contested catch situation, red zone threat, 50-50 monster, mismatch problem. And even though it's possible that the Falcons might not like having his skill set alongside Kyle Pitts because they're both, in a lot of ways, I mean, he plays a lot like a big move tight end. Yeah. Um, similar, so, similar skills, really. Yeah, so they might not like that. They might want to have more of the technician, the route runner, and, and they want to go in a different direction. But I'm going to go ahead and say Drake London. He's created a lot of buzz at this point in the draft process, and we'll see what ends up happening. So now you're the Seattle Seahawks, and you're sitting there at number nine. Who are you taking, Jimmy? Well, this is the first time I've been adamant about something as, as I get to this, the way the board fell. I, I think the Seahawks would love it. I, I think they would go, uh, I'm going to call it chalk, if Evan Neal or Iguanu somehow fell to them. I, I think that's who they would, that they would throw a side body block on Mother Teresa to draft one of the, I, I think if they could get a premium tackle that, that fell to them that should have gone in the top five, they would do that. I think Charles Cross is a very strong possibility here, but I have some doubts about Charles Cross as a run blocker, uh, you know, but I don't, this is where I get sort of adamant. And and that's what I think the Seahawks should draft Malik Willis here. And, and I'm not an enormous Malik Willis fan. I don't know that I want to invest my own personal money in, in him being a fantastic NFL football player, but I'm adamant in this. If there is a Mahomes, if there is a Josh Allen, if there is an all-pro game-changing quarterback in this group, it's Willis. The Seahawks have Drew Locke. They could get by until another draft if Malik Willis is a dud. Uh, I know it's the ninth pick. He he is a, he is he would be replacing Russell Wilson, who by the way was a third-round pick. But people look at Russell Wilson like. Like he's, you know, Andrew Luck. He, he was a third-round pick that the Seahawks took a chance on. I, I see a lot of the same things with Malik Willis. He's a tools guy. He's been very impressive in, in the pre-draft stuff. This is a gamble, but this is a gamble the Seahawks should take because if, if Malik Willis ends up being even Lamar Jackson, they've won this draft at, at, at number nine. So I, I have the Seahawks taking Malik Willis here. And they really should, uh, unless one of the two premium tackles gets that far. Yeah, I, I don't hate that. Because, I mean, when you look at it, I, it, it all depends on if they believe in Malik Willis. I think the Seahawks are in an interesting position because they traded away Russell Wilson and they set themselves up with draft capital for the foreseeable future. They don't have to go quarterback. If, they, no. if they're worried about Malik Willis and his skill set and what he can turn into it, his skill set, his raw skill set, I mean, he, the dual threat ability is absolutely there. He's an electric playmaker with his legs. He's got an elite caliber arm. He can fit, you know, throws into tight windows. He can win from, you know, inside or outside the pocket. I think he's got to go to an offense where the runs are scripted. You've got to make sure that you're kind of like Lamar Jackson in, in some ways, maybe not to that same degree. But you got to make sure that you're getting his legs involved because that's a, such a huge part of his, you know, the way he wins. 
I think a little bit he drops his eyes too quick and he doesn't sense or see pressure when he needs to. Uh, he wasn't really asked in Liberty's offense and Hugh Freeze's offense to go through his progressions and make full-filled reads. I think that's somewhat of a concern, and that's what – it's not necessarily that he can't do it. I think he's very raw and inexperienced doing it. And so it's a matter of, A, can he learn to do that, and B – and that's why I like the Pittsburgh Steelers a lot for him is you've got a guy like Mitch Trubisky who's going to be your guy for a couple of years and, and kind of allow him to uh, – you know, Malik Willis to develop, but if the Seahawks don't like Malik Willis or any of these quarterbacks, you know, a lot of people's thought, you know, are you really going to roll with Drew Locke as your starting quarterback going into the season or Geno Smith? A hundred percent, because if you have all this draft capital and right. you know, you, I mean, essentially what it would be is tank mode. You know, you put Drew Locke out there, you hope he throws 30 interceptions because the more interceptions he's throwing, the more games you're losing, more games you're losing, the better you are you know, you're, the better your chances are of having the number one pick for next year, which you feel pretty good about the crop of quarterbacks in that group, and right. you've accumulated a ton of draft capital to build around whoever that quarterback is. So I don't think they're necessarily pressed to improve the quarterback Agreed. position, but if they think Malik Willis can be that guy, then they'll certainly pull the trigger. And personally, everybody else, you know, I've seen you know Desmond Ritter's climbing up draft boards right. obviously Kenny Pickett I've said he's the most pro ready and I'll stay by that but his, his ceiling is very limited my two favorite quarterbacks in this draft are Matt Corral and Malik Willis I don't think that they will be the first two quarterbacks taken you know in fact I, you know Matt Corral might not even go in the first round but I love we'll talk more about him later probably because he will be an option for some of those late first round picks uh, right. maybe but I don't one, hate it one last point Malik Willis and again I, I it, it's it's too high for Malik. He's not Mahomes. I I I, I don't believe. Uh, I, I'm not saying this would be the wisest thing. I just love the gamble because if Malik pans out, if Malik is, you know, a version of Mahomes or Lamar Jackson, Seattle not only gets a franchise quarterback at number nine in the rookie contract, you know, a cheap quarterback for five years, like they did with Russell Wilson early on. They won the Russell Wilson trade. They won the trade. They get all those picks from Denver, and, and all they did was get a younger version of Russell. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, and I think that's why I love the gamble here. They they could be wasting the pick. They could maybe the smarter thing is like you said. You've got all these picks in future drafts. Uh, it's going to be a better quarterback crop next year. Uh, maybe that's the wise thing to do. And and, and never gambling is is the right thing. But hey, the draft is in Vegas. And, and and sometimes the gamble pays off. It's it's a heck of a gamble, but boy, they they come up all sevens if Malik Willis is great, and he might be. Right. Yeah. I just think that with him, make sure that you aren't asking him to do too much too early. If he's not ready, don't force him out there. He's the kind of quarterback that I believe is going to need a little bit of time. And if you can sit a year, you know, sit him for a year and be patient, I think it'll pay off in a huge way. Love his long term outlook. Uh, so I got the New York Jets at number 10. I don't think this could fall any better because in my mock draft, I mean, and granted, I still think receiver is going to be a huge priority and a huge need for them. But if you can get Sauce Garner, who I considered at number four, all the way down there at number 10, I think it's the perfect fit schematically. I think he's got fantastic talent. He's one of the top players in the draft. This one's going to be pretty easy for me. You know, he's, he's a lockdown cornerback. He only allowed, I want to say, 6.6 yards per catch last season. That's fantastic. He's still a little bit of, a little bit grabby. I think his technique could use a little bit of work. 
He's going to get some holding calls. He's going to get some pass interference calls. It's going to cost you yardage, and it's going to frustrate you as a fan. But his upside as a player is fantastic. So I'm going to go with Sauce Gardner. It's a pretty easy pick. And uh, we'll go ahead and move on to number 11, the Washington Commanders, Jimmy. The Commanders. Yes, that's uh, going to be – it's still hard for me to remember, but uh, I'm getting there. The, the way the board fell, of course, is interesting. Uh, I, you know, if you're the Commanders, you could go corner here. You could go Charles Cross here. Uh, I tend to think they would go receiver – Although Kyle Hamilton is still there. I, I think Kyle Hamilton is easily one of the 10 best players in this draft. I know he plays a low value position. I love Kyle Hamilton. He could easily be the pick here. And I think as much as the commanders need receiver or corner, I think it's going to be difficult for them not to take Kyle Hamilton here. But I will say they will stick with the plan and, uh, and go receiver. And uh, this is where I'm, I'm slotting Jamison Williams, who I think will be no worse than the third receiver, uh, if not the number one receiver, as I was hearing this morning on Good Morning Football, there seems to be increasing chatter that Jamison could be wide receiver number one in the draft. But I'll have Jamison here at 11 to the commanders. Uh, you know, uh, they, they won't have him for at least half a season, and that's going to hurt. But, but, hey, if you're drafting the best receiver in the draft, the fact that he missed eight or nine games in his rookie year, you won't even rem remember that in year three. Yeah, you really won't. And, you know, I like that pick. I really do. And I do think that a guy like Kyle Hamilton will be considered because safety is such a big need. They got rid of Landon Collins. Uh, they parted ways, and so they need help on the back half of their defense. But, you know, and they got – I think they have enough at receiver to hold things off. You know, they got Terry McLaurin, who's a true number one option. They got Curtis Samuel, who they brought in free agency, you know, or signed in free agency last year. think he's a, you know, nice – you know, underneath guy can do some stuff on the short to intermediate parts of the field. But then Jamison Williams is your home run hitter. And, and Terry McLaurin can do that as well. Don't get me wrong. But I think, you know, a lot of people believe maybe quarterback could be a possibility here. I personally don't. Right. The team traded for Carson Wentz. They seem to believe in him. They think he could be a much more than just a stopgap one-year option. He's still relatively young. Um, we'll kind of have to wait and see if they're correct in that assessment. But Give him a nice trio of, of pass-catching options. And the offensive line, I don't think it's as good as people make it out to be. You know, I, I want to say pro football focus has them as one of the better offensive lines in the NFL as far as their grading system. I don't agree with that at all. I would probably say that they're very middle of the road, in my opinion. But it's still not a bad offensive line. You still got Logan Thomas at tight end. I think he's a good pass-catching option. And then you give a guy like Jamison Williams or put a guy like Jamison Williams in an offense, it can be a, a nice little trio of receivers. So I like that decision. Jamison can be that home run hitter that they need. He's got a great catch radius, can create yardage after the catch. I think he's an underrated route runner. I don't think he gets enough credit for that. Press man, you know, that can give him some issues. He has trouble at times working off the line of scrimmage. He is coming off the torn ACL. He doesn't have great play strength, but he's, in my opinion, the best pure receiver in this draft when he's healthy. It's just a matter of how far does that knee injury push him down. But the good part about it is based off of reports, the recovery is coming along very nicely. So right. hopefully they can uh, figure out a way to get him on the field sooner rather than later. That brings us to the Vikings. And they also need some safety help. I, I think their interior defensive line needs some playmakers, but I don't really see, you know, is Jordan Davis a possibility there? Maybe, but I could also see them going with an edge guy. We've talked or, or seen Danielle Hunter. He's been, you know, listed as a potential trade candidate. 
they would definitely need edge help if they got rid of him. Uh, they could use a cornerback. To me, I really like Derek Stingley Jr. here. Yep. Uh, he's got that LSU pedigree. I think this is a nice spot for him because he's got he's the perfect boomer bust prospect. If he reaches his ceiling, he's a top five player in this draft easy, maybe a top three player. But then if he doesn't reach that ceiling, it's also I could also see the other end of that spectrum of him being a complete bust and he never should have been a first round pick. And it's been a while. I mean, it's, it was 2019 when we saw the elite tape. I don't think anything he did, and I want to see he played in like 10 games over the last two seasons. So we yeah. haven't seen him a ton, but what we've seen since has been good play, not great play, not elite play. You're hoping that he can recapture that 2019 form when he had six interceptions and like 15 pass breakups and was just kind of all over the field. Granted, uh, one guy he struggled with or one team that he struggled with yeah. was Alabama. He got torched a couple of times by Devontae Smith and some of those guys. So I'm sure this being an Alabama podcast, people are going to say that's way too high for a guy like Derek Stingley, um, but he's got everything that you could possibly want in the position, size, speed, explosiveness. The speed's elite. Four three seven inch pro day. I think he runs every bit of that ball skills for days. He's got, you know, I, I wonder, you know, I don't think he's overly competitive and that worries me. I don't think he's a willing run defender, even though we had the same questions about Grant Delpit, the safety out of LSU a couple of years ago. He gets in the NFL. He's cleaned that up. I think a lot of that was him trying to preserve his body for the for the next level. But it is an issue. Tackling is an issue on tape. But I do think that Derek Stingley there with uh, Patrick Peterson and some of those guys will end up doing some pretty good things. And I think he's now worth the risk now that you've gotten outside the top 10 picks. No, I like it there a lot, Clint, because uh, I've seen so many mock drafts is where I'm getting this. I don't have Viking sources, but I've seen so many mock drafts. I get the impression that the Vikings love Stingley. I get the impression. I, I, I think the Vikings are listening to our mock draft going, here's another one where Stingley's available. This is great because that's who they want. I think if the Vikings were picking fourth, they, they want Stingley. I mean, that, that's just an impression I get, but it probably comes from watching and reading so many mock drafts and so many of them have Derek Stingley going to the Vikings here. And, and that's just where I get that from. But, uh, I think the Vikings would be thrilled. Now, here's what's fun at 13 for, for me in the 13, the Texans, right? Correct. Yes. And 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 here I, I screwed up the whole draft when I took Kayvon Thibodeau third for the Texans. I, 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 not everybody's got that happening. Uh, and, and, it, and I think it's it set uh, made, made for a few surprises. But if the Texans want to go pass rusher offensive line, I'm going to have the Texans taken cross here from Mississippi State, Charles Cross. So they end up getting Thibodeau and Cross. Had they gone offensive line the first time around, and let's say they win a Guanu, then they're walking out of here with a Guanu and probably Jermaine Johnson. Yep. That's why I took Thibodeau with three, because I think that they should be comfortable knowing Cross will, will be there at 13. I like the combination of Kayvon Thibodeau and Charles Cross more than I like a Guanu and Jermaine Johnson myself. So that partly explains why I think the Texans will go Thibodeau with that third pick because an offensive lineman they really like, that they really need, that's the equal of Evan Neal and Iguanu as a pass protector, Charles Cross. Uh, and that's who the Texans luck into and select at 13, making up for the fact they passed on the tackle at number three. Man, uh, I got, the Texans find themselves in a pickle. Really, the Ravens appreciate you yep. picking uh, Kayvon yep. Thibodeau there at number three because it allows a guy like Jermaine Johnson to fall into their lap. The problem is right. that, that they also didn't see Kyle Hamilton being available. Oh, Hamilton. 
Hamilton um, and Johnson available now at 14. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a tough spot if you're Baltimore because I think they need safety help. But at the same time, I, I'm really high on Jermaine Johnson. I think his development is heading in the right direction. This is a former Georgia Bulldog who transferred to Florida State this past season. And, you know, I want to say, like, I think he had, like, five tackles for loss and five sacks in 2020. That jumped all the way up to 17 and a half tackles for loss and 11 and a half sacks with 46 total quarterback pressures for the Seminoles this past season. He's got length. He's got size. The arm length is there. You know, he's got great speed, great explosiveness. I think he ran a four, five, eight in the 40. He's a raw player. I think he's a little bit underdeveloped as a, as a pass rusher. I think that he needs to get with the right coaching staff. And I think Baltimore can be that. You know, Matt Judon was the guy they had for a while. He signed with the New England Patriots in free agency prior to last season. This is a tough spot for the Ravens to be in because they would love to add a talent like Kyle Hamilton. But I think Jermaine Johnson and just getting the pass rush. I understand they re-signed Calais Campbell. I understand that they've got some other guys that they believe in. They got decent options. But when you're the Baltimore Ravens, you want to have that quality pass rusher. And I think Jordan Davis would have been in play with this pick as well had Jermaine Johnson and Kyle Hamilton not been available. I also think Charles Cross would have been considered to some degree. But based off of the way things fell, I got to go with Jermaine Johnson. But this once again pushes Kyle Hamilton down further than a lot of people were anticipating. Yeah, and there's kind of, you know, if we're, if we're wrong, imagine that. Imagine if we're actually wrong about something. This uh, is if the perfect we're wrong, draft. I don't know what you're talking about. This is exactly how it's going to go down. <laughs> if we're wrong, it's, it's, it's Kyle Hamilton not still being here at 15. And as a matter of fact, I think the Eagles – don't the Eagles pick a 15? You're the one yes. with the uh, – Yeah, 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 yeah. Eagles do pick a 15. Yeah. I told you I was going to remind you which team it was. Well, I sort of I, – I watch a lot of mock draft show. I think I sort of know the draft order. Um, yeah, I, I knew the Eagles here at 15. Look, all along, I think this is receiver. Um, I, I don't even know that they need a safety. I, I just think at some point you just scrap all that and you say – maybe maybe one of the very best players in the draft is sitting here at 15 and and and, and it's Kyle Hamilton I, I think the Eagles would love a receiver with one of these picks and a linebacker um but gosh with Kyle Hamilton just sitting there I, I I still think the Eagles know that they might get Kyle maybe with their next pick and because the Saints are unlikely to love a safety I'm going to stick with I think they the Eagles came into this wanting a receiver and a linebacker uh I love Chris Olave. I do. I don't know that the Eagles do. If there is, if the Eagles don't like him, it may be because I, I've always said this, and Alabama fans, a few have killed me on Twitter. That's because you can't even suggest anything that can be remotely negative about an Alabama player, and I don't mean it that way. But I compare Olave to Devontae Smith. I mean, to, to me, they're so much alike. They're built almost exactly alike. They, they, they run extremely similar uh, the production for Alavi could have equaled Devontae's if he didn't have Garrett Wilson to split balls with him. You know, uh, I, I just love Alavi. The Eagles may not take him at 15 just because he's so similar. We talked about it yesterday on the show, Clint, at wide receiver. You try to build a basketball team, not five guys that all look alike. Uh, Alavi is so similar to Devontae. Maybe if they insist on going with wide receiver, they go for a bigger body guy like Burks, but I just love Olavi so much as a player. I can't imagine that other NFL teams don't either. So I'm going to go Chris Olavi here to the Eagles, giving uh, uh, Jalen Hurts a uh, fantastic outside weapon to pair with uh, Devontae Smith. I like it. 
because I, and, and I like the fact that you stuck to the plan because with Kyle Hamilton falling that far, they got Anthony Harris at safety. They got Marcus Epps. They got Kayvon Wallace, the former Clemson guy. I think that there's enough of a need at safety where they would have a hard time passing up on Kyle Hamilton, you know, and I also, you know, I love Trent McDuffie. You know, I think he could be an elite right. nickel corner. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would be a guy that I will consider there at 18. Just going to go ahead and let you know, mm-hmm. but it's difficult because I think it's possible that if the board falls this way, they could leave with Kyle Hamilton and Trent McDuffie and really shore up their, their secondary and they need to pass rush help. They need a receiver. So I don't think that you're crazy in that sense at all. I think Charles Cross, it's very interesting. You talk about him going to the Houston Texans at number 13. The style of offense that he played in in Mike Leach's system is actually very similar. It's the exact same system that Andre Dillard, the former first-round pick out of Washington State, a couple of years ago to the Philadelphia Eagles. He played in that same system. He has struggled in the NFL, has not been able to get on the field. It kind of makes you wonder what happens with Charles Cross, but with the Eagles, they're kind of all over the place. But I do believe in giving Jalen Hurts more weapons. I would have gone with Kyle Hamilton, but I can't fault you for wanting to do yeah. that. I um, hate that Kyle's still on the board. I love him. I, I do, too. It, it's really Kyle bothering Kyle Hamilton is drafted around number five. I won't believe he was over 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 drafted. I mean, I, 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 you can easily make the case to me he's a top five player in this draft. And I do think that this really helps as far as – the Saints are concerned, and I'll tell you why here in just a second, but I, I agree with you. I think Kyle Hamilton, but we did see this. We've seen this multiple times at safety. Yeah. You know, Minka Fitzpatrick, everybody said there's no way this guy falls out of the top 10. He falls to number 11. Derwin James a couple of years ago, there's no way this guy falls out of the top 10. He fell to like the late teens to the, San, uh, the, to the Los Angeles Chargers, and he's been <laughs> a heck of a player. Minka's been a heck of a player. Two safeties have been taken in the top five ever. Now, that's something that I didn't know. That's an interesting fact. Very interesting fact. And the reason that I do like this, now, I had in my mock draft, and I like the fit, Chris Olave going number 16 to the Saints. They made a trade up to get the number 16 and the number 19 picks. A lot of people thought they were going to use those to package to get a quarterback. You know, as things have started to develop, you start to realize, okay, they re-signed Jameis Winston to a multi-year deal. They brought in Andy Dalton to be the backup. They still got Taysom Hill. I don't think quarterback is the play. I don't think quarterback is the move anymore. It makes you wonder, though, because in my mock draft, I had them taking Chris Olave and addressing one need. And then Uh tackle, I had Trevor Penning, the Uh Northern Iowa tackle. I had him going number nine to the Seattle Seahawks because I had Malik Willis falling a little bit. But that took the Saints completely out of contention for a lot of these, or for at least their top two needs, which is receiver and offensive tackle. Now the Saints have a decision to make because they also they got to replace Marcus Williams. They need help on the back half at safety. A guy like Kyle Hamilton is one of the best players in the draft. He's absolutely best player available. They're trying to rebuild there in New Orleans. But at the same time, actually, now the more I look at it, the fact that you took Olave, they need receiver help badly. But I think you taking him, and that probably would have been my pick at 16. I think that Agreed. opens the door for a guy like uh, Kyle Hamilton to go to the yep. New Orleans Saints at number 16. So that's the one who I'm going to go with. Yeah, and I, I think, though, what I like about that is I, I agree that the Saints – I think the Saints would love to get Olave there at 16. I, I think that's their, their wet dream of this draft is Chris Olave to still be there at 16. But they never imagined Kyle Hamilton would be there. And, and at some point, somebody's got to go, guys – 
we're not going to pass on an all pro safety. I mean, he, he could be all pro in year two or three. Uh, and he's a great kid and he's great on in, in the locker room. I, I agree. almost hate it that it's the saints, uh, because I, I kind of like building around your plan, but sometimes you have to adjust and, 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 and Kyle and was, we'll, as fell. Well, and, and I'll say this too. Think about this. The, uh, the NFC South, Kyle Pitts, Kyle Hamilton is the perfect match for a guy right. like that. You match the size, you match the athleticism. I don't care what his 40 Tom says. He's an explosive athlete can make plays in, in a lot of ways. He only played seven games this past season, but some of those interceptions, it shows his range. I think he's the perfect guy to line up against athletic tight ends like a Kyle Pitts. You also got Rob Gronkowski there, potentially maybe still in Tampa Bay with Tom Brady. They're probably still going to be the, the favorites to win the division, even that, without Bruce Arians as head coach. A guy like Kyle Hamilton could be a nice weapon to have in those instances to try to neutralize really athletic tight ends. So I think that ends up working out well for him. So next team on the list is the Los Angeles Chargers at 17. Jimmy, who you going with? Yeah, um, I, I think uh, with the board falling like it is, uh, they're going to go either offensive line here or defensive tackle. Uh, I think they need both. They would like to shore up both. I think they're going to take whoever they have graded higher, uh, be it an offensive lineman or a defensive tackle. I, I want them to go Jordan Davis here. That's what, what, what Jimmy wants them to do. That's because we know the kid uh, being Alabama folks and playing Georgia twice and Jordan Davis is constantly a presence on SEC Network, but I, I think it's a guy you've already mentioned from Northern Iowa, Trevor Penning. I, I, I'm, I'm just guessing that it, the Chargers go Penning because they grade Penning higher than they grade Jordan Davis. I agree, and that's something that was that I wasn't anticipating. The Saints need offensive line help, and they might be upset because not only did they they, they needed two positions with these first round picks, they need a receiver and they needed offensive tackle. And now that they went with Kyle Hamilton, or I had them go with Kyle Hamilton, they've now missed out on the last tackle that I think is worth this high of a pick. The value becomes justifiable. That could prevent them from taking Kyle Hamilton. Maybe they hope that, you know, okay, the, the Chargers have, you know, Derwin James. It's very possible that they decide not to go with a safety like that. Maybe the Eagles at 18. We talked about them. They probably would go with him, but... I, it's left the Saints in a very difficult predicament. Uh, but I do think Penning is a very good player, violent finisher. He's got good frame with with the athleticism to kind of complement it. He bends extremely well for a guy who's 6'7", excellent run blocker. He's got everything that you look for, size, length, toughness, smart player, loves the game of football, was a three-year starter. You worry about his level of competition coming from right. Northern Iowa. That is a question mark, and he's not like a dominant pass protector. I think he's good in that area, but I think that putting him at right tackle would be the perfect fit. You've got Rashawn Slater, who you drafted out of uh, Northwestern that you took in the first round last year to keep Justin Herbert protected. You add another bookend tackle, and I think as far as the Chargers are concerned, that works out fantastic. So I like that decision, and that brings us to the Philadelphia Eagles. And they've gotten receiver taken care of. I think right now you've got to at least get one piece in your secondary. And to me, that's going to be Trent McDuffie. I'm a huge McDuffie fan. Not overly big. He's 5'11", 193 pounds. Doesn't have extremely long arms. He's got less than 30-inch arms. Not super fast. He, you know, 4'4", four, 4'4". Four, four. That's good speed. It's not great speed. But this guy, I think he can be an elite nickel player. I think he's great in press man coverage. He can also play zone at a high level. He's a scrappy guy. 
reminds me a lot of Byron Murphy. He was a second round pick uh, last year by the Arizona Cardinals. Just a fierce competitor, man. Great burst and great closing ability. Really clean player to watch on tape. Really, the only thing that I would knock on him is just he he doesn't possess elite size. But I think he's a great player, and I think he would fit well in that Philadelphia secondary. So they go with Trent McDuffie at number eighteen. Man, it's Washington. You know, I think Alabama has a has the best claim to DBU right now. It's Alabama, but Florida has a claim. LSU has a claim. The Washington Huskies seem to put two DBs in the first round every year. Is it just me? But gosh, yeah. the Washington Huskies seem to put DBs. I, I guess it has something to do with Jimmy Lake and, and his recruiting up there. I'll tell you what, man. It, one of my favorite when I first got into scouting players and really got into the NFL draft, there was a guy. First of all, I loved Vita Vey, which is a defensive tackle, you know, a nose tackle. Different Recruited position. Blue Poy, by the way. Yeah. Loved him coming out, but Buddha Baker was one of the. Yes. My, Still to this day, one of the most exciting, fun players to watch on tape that I've ever seen. He's been an absolute monster in the uh, Cardinals secondary. They are a big fan of drafting wa- drafting Washington players. But McDuffie's kind of next in line. Just Buda Baker wasn't big. Byron Murphy wasn't big. Trent McDuffie's not big. But they're scrappy, man. And they make plays and they they play with their hair on fire, but they also play under control. Love that fit. But now you're the New Orleans Saints, and you're sitting there at 19. So who are you going with? Well, I think that we've already talked about the Saints. I, I think are going into this draft, hoping that Chris Olave falls to them, uh, and believing that Olave will be there. They missed it by one pick. They smartly, un, under your leadership, took the best player on the board, in Kyle Hamilton, uh, who just happened to be there, even though the Saints weren't necessarily putting safety at the top of their list. Hamilton was just too good to pass on. I think what the Saints should do here at 19 is go big and go either a tackle like Jordan Davis, a defensive tackle like Jordan Davis, possibly an offensive lineman. In my opinion, the best offensive lineman remaining on the board right now is Zion Johnson. I I think they should take Jordan Davis or Zion Johnson. But I I think their feelings are hurt over not getting a lobby. They were very excited about that. And they uh, begrudgingly, maybe wrongly even, but they begrudgingly go for who on the board is a lot like a lobby, and, and that's Dotson from from Penn State. Uh, I, I think I think they stick with receiver. Uh, I think they wanted receiver at sixteen. They they took the best player available there, which was a smart thing to do. But but they go back and, and, and address receiver here, so they end up with a safety and a receiver. I, I think they'd be better suited going big. But the Kyle Hamilton plans change things there. Uh, and, and, and Jahan Dotson is, is a fine pick here at 19. Like you were mentioning earlier, so many people in the mocks have him going 22 to Green Bay. Uh, so I don't think 19 is too rich for Dotson. If 22 has kind of been an accepted spot for him, he's a playmaker. He's a lot like a lobby. Uh, I, I saw one of the NFL guys show a great tape of Dotson the other day, and I was watching that tape going, I don't think I knew how good this guy was. He has fantastic ball skills. That's what this guy was showing. If there, if the ball is in Dotson's area code, he catches it. He he does not drop balls. That's very valuable for a guy his size because he doesn't have a great catch radius. He he's going to have to be a guy that catches it when his hands are on it, and, and he does. He's also a great separator, a big playmaker. Uh, I'm going to call him Chris Alave Light, but that's not fair to the kid because he's really good, but uh, I'll, I'll go Dotson here to the Saints. I like it, and I agree. 
I think that with them desperately needing an offensive tackle and a receiver, their two biggest needs, they might end up panicking a little bit and reaching. I, I don't think Dotson is a huge reach here. I think I more so value him as a later first round pick, like a Kansas City Chiefs there at 29 and 30. Right. But I also believe that the Saints can justify taking him or reaching on him a little bit because there's such a big need. And I, that, to me, they don't need an interior offensive lineman. It's pure tackle. It's pure left tackle. And there's just nobody worth taking up here. So then it becomes okay. What are we going to do? And I think Jordan Davis is a possibility. I had Devontae Wyatt mocked to them at this pick. And I even mentioned in my mock that I didn't feel good about it at all. But I felt like that they were going to have to reach at one of these positions. And now that I think about it, I think Dotson, you know, the fact that they missed out on Chris Olave barely at pick 16, I think Dotson's a pretty good pick there. So I like that selection. Now we're going to the Pittsburgh Steelers. And now it's. Can't wait to see this. At this, I don't, I don't, I'm not a hundred percent sure what I'm Desmond Ritter. I mean, are we, are yeah. we doing that? Uh, I'm not as high on him. They might, they might, they might. If this, I think they want Willis, you know, I bet you're picking for Pittsburgh. If Willis was still on the board, you would take him here. Oh, it'd be easy. I, I think yeah. that I think it's possible. They trade up for him. Uh, and I, I agree. I agree. It's one of the reasons I was so comfortable picking Willis nine. I, I think Willis is the guy someone's going to go up and get. Yeah, uh, I, that, that's the one guy in this draft I think people will go get. And Pittsburgh's at the top of that list. But we don't do trades. And, and, and if we're all just sitting here in the same spot, and Pittsburgh could be pulling to New England last year going, hey, Mac Jones just fell to New England. They didn't have to trade up to get him. I think Pittsburgh, if they love Ritter, maybe they don't trade up for Willis. They're like, hey, you know what? <laughs> Ritter's going to be here if Willis, it, it, if they like him that much. Yeah. I'm just saying they might. They might. Man, and they did sign Mitch Trubisky. I think that that puts them in a position where they don't have to panic and shift quarterbacks. If Malik Willis was the guy that they were willing to take in the first round that they wanted, if he's not there, I don't think you have to recalculate and go with a quarterback that you don't like as much. I think you can go elsewhere. The problem is, is that safety, corner, tackle, would they get, I mean, they, their, their interior defensive line could probably use a little bit of work, uh, even though I, I, cause some guys are getting older, not cause they're not good. You know, Cameron Hayward's getting up there in age. I'm having a very hard time with this one because part of me, you know, is Jordan Davis a guy, maybe I doubt it. You know, Devonte Watt doubt it. Daxton Hill would be a guy that I would consider Devin Lloyd. I really think that the, either the saints or the Eagles with one of those two first round picks, it's very possible. They could go with a Devin Lloyd. I'm having a tough time, you know, Kyir Elam, you know, the cornerback out of Florida who I really like. I don't like him that much. I think picking him, you know, in the top 20 is a little bit too high. They don't need a receiver. Andrew Booth, you know, would they go with him? Possible. I'm having a very tough time with this one. I got to work my way through it. And I think at the end of the day, given this spot and given the fact that I don't love anybody, if probably my, my top pick, if I did not go with the guy I'm about to go with, it would probably be Daxton Hill, even though, I mean, I don't know, man. I'm going to pivot, and I haven't heard a whole lot about this being an option, but one area where Pittsburgh has struggled is the offensive line. You spent a premium draft capital on Najee Harris last year. You want to get better protection in front of him, or not better protection, but guys that can make create movement in the run game, and then you're also going to continue to utilize him in the passing game, but give him more room to run as a runner. I would probably go with Kenyon Green here the interior offensive lineman for Texas A&M. I like this guy, and I really was hoping, you know, I'm not a Titans fan, but I think that he would fit for Derrick Henry as well. 
That's who I had him mocked to, you know, with the uh, number 26 overall pick. But the fact, the the way things fell, Kenyon Green, big road grader as far as run blocking. He's, you know, got good anchoring, good pop and pass protection. I think he's still a work in progress with his pass protection, but plays with good pad level. He has some experience at offensive tackle. Nobody's going to play him there in the NFL. He's a guard all the way, in my opinion. And uh, so I'm going to go with Kenyon Green going to the Pittsburgh Steelers. I like it. It's the smart thing to do. I think, believe it or not, I think Kenyon Green is a safe choice. I, I, he's going to be good. I, I, Kenyon Green is going to be a good player in that league. I, I, I like the safe choice. It's such a gamble to go Ritter there. I just, I just get this feeling that Pittsburgh is going to gamble. They want Malik Willis. If it doesn't work out, I think they're so pissed they didn't get Willis. They take Ritter. <laughs> you know, because they're just, so pissed they didn't I, take I'm, Willis. I'm totally, I'm totally fine with if a team, you know, and like I said, I'm how Matt Corral, I would tend to one rather somebody make a move up for him. But if you start, you know, Detroit at 32, I think right. Desmond Ritter is a strong possibility because they've already had a first round pick already addressed pass rush. Uh, and you get that fit extra year, uh, that fifth year option by being, you know, drafting a guy in the first round quarterback is a key place to do that at. So I could see a guy like Desmond Ritter going there, just top 20 for me. If they do it and you're not wrong, I mean, it's possible that they could go that route, but I just. If Ritter, I, if Ritter and Corral are both still on the board at pick 32, Detroit's going to make bank on that pick. I, I, I think they'd almost be foolish to take one of those two in the sense that multiple teams will be trading up to get that number 32 spot to draft Ritter or Corral, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely think that this is going to be a year where you're going to see teams trading back into the back half of the first round in order to secure a quarterback that they didn't draft at the beginning. Hey, if all these guys are developmental, if every one of them other than Pickett is developmental, then you want that fifth year. You want the fifth year. The fifth year's never been more valuable for one of these guys. Yeah. You know, it's going to take a while, especially if you're like the Falcons, you know, who, who have, you know, if you have a bridge quarterback, you know, like a Mariota, like Drew Locke in Seattle, Taking a developmental guy that you get five years out of makes a lot of sense because you don't have to put him out there now. You don't have to. That's a great point. And but anyway, I, mean, I like I love I like the Kenyon Green pick. It's safe. Hey, safe, safe wins these drafts. Safe means no bus. Right. Bus is the draft, right? You lose the draft if you have too many or a bust at the top. The, the the team that picks safe, they go, ah, we didn't get a 10-year all pro, but he's good. Hey, you do that every single year in the draft. Now look at your team. Yeah, hundred percent. And that's kind of you know last year everybody was like, you shouldn't take Najee Harris. You can get a running back later. You need to address your offensive line. And instead, they went with Najee Harris, and they did sign James Daniels in free agency. That's a good guard option. They uh, signed Mason Cole, decent center option. Kendrick Green is a guy they drafted. Kevin Dotson is a guy they drafted. I don't think either one of them, there's still potential and development that can happen with both of them, but those, they're both interior players. I just think that upgrading and getting a guy, solidifying that position, the interior of your offensive line with a player like Kenyon Green wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. I have a high opinion of Kenyon Green because he killed Alabama. For, the, for, yeah. for those who can suffer through the Texas A&M Alabama tape again from last season, watch Kenyon Green. He, he, he put on a clinic in terms of blocking multiple, like different Alabama guys all day. And uh, he did a real good job. I, I, I think I think Kenyon Green is as much of a reason A&M won that thing as anybody. 
So he going with it 21 for the New England Patriots now that Jameson yeah, Williams I, isn't on the board. Yeah, I, I, I think New England, you know, I, I think that wide receiver is, is very possible. Uh, I do think the receivers they would have liked to have had are not there. Uh, I, I think a lot of Belichick – I'm going to draft a very Belichicky guy here, uh, and, and, and it's going to be a, a little bit of a surprise based on where most people have seen this. But, but to me, he's a Belichick guy, uh, and, and he's probably talked to Nick Saban, I, and, and I bet he got a call from Nick about this guy, though he didn't play for Alabama, but he knows a lot about him. And Nick said, uh, yeah, he's the reason that Georgia won the national championship, and his name is Nicobe Dean. And I think Belichick goes Nicobe Dean here just as simply like only Belichick knows this is one of the best players in the draft. And that, that, that's how Belichick has built the Patriots. He knows more than, uh, than others know. I happen to know Nick Saban has an extremely high opinion of Nicobe Dean. And even though Dean is far from the physical freak that most of his uh, Georgia teammates were, he made it all work. Uh, Dean will be a really good uh, NFL player, not maybe not necessarily in terms of leading the league in tackles or making Pro Bowls, but in in being a team captain and being the quarterback of the defense, he's as good as it gets. I love the fact that you went linebacker there. I love it. Uh, I I'm personally thinking about going Devin Lloyd. Yeah, and I I thought I think Devin because Devin Lloyd to me he's like the modern version of Dante Hightower. You know, he's kind of more I'll, of the Lloyd. If he goes as high as 13, 14, 15, I won't think that's too high for him. I, I, I like Devin Lloyd a lot. Yeah. I mean, he's, you know, 6'3, close to 240 pounds. He's not, didn't have elite speed. I think he ran like a 4'6'6 six, six at, the, at the combine, but he had 110 tackles. He had 22 tackles for loss, eight sacks, four interceptions, 31 pressures, and six pass breakups. All of those categories either finished first or second on his team. And, I don't think he's an elite coverage linebacker, but I think he's adequate in that area. I think he can get up to the quarterback. He has some pass rushing chops, but you're going to play him as an off-ball linebacker. Just to me, you know, I think at this point where the way that the NFL has evolved, the Dante Hightowers of the world, while they can provide leadership qualities and values, I think they're more of a liability. And right. so if you're shifting and you still want that big body linebacker who can get to the quarterback and do a lot of the things that Dante Hightower did for your defense, I think that player is Devin Lloyd. At the same time, getting a player like N'Kobe Dean at this point, and, and personally, he fell out of the first round for me in my mock draft, and I felt sick to my stomach about it because it shouldn't happen. He is he a first-round talent. Uh, he's undersized a little bit. But I love, I mean, when you talk about it, very rarely misses tackles, extremely high football IQ. He diagnoses well. When he sees it, he goes and gets it. Great range, good in pass coverage. You know, he's a player that plays downhill. You love his leadership ability. You love his competitive toughness. I love N'Kobe Dean. And like I said, if it was me, he would be a first-round pick all day. When I do these mocks, it's what I think NFL teams are going to do. And now that you had the Patriots taking N'Kobe Dean, Finding a slot for Devin Lloyd might be difficult, and I think he's a surefire first-round pick, but we might have trouble finding a spot in the first round with the way that this mock right. draft has, has kind of played out, which is the same problem right. I was running into with N'Kobe Dean. And it's just it's I'm, not as highly valued of a position as some of these other spots. I'm probably putting too much emphasis on the Belichick-Saban relationship because it's just what I know, but it's just so easy for me to envision that conversation, the, 
Hey, did y'all, y'all recruited Nicobe Dean, right? Yeah, we did. You, you, you like the kid? I love him. One of my favorite kids I've ever recruited, which is true. Uh, you know, you had to play against him a bunch of times. He's the reason they won the national championship. You, you, you take that kid off of Georgia and put him on my team. Uh, I, I don't even know that Georgia's there. I just know we beat him. Uh, he's the reason Georgia won the games. Not Walker, not, not Quay Walker, not, not Trayvon Walker, not Jordan Davis, not the, the, the Jalen Carter they got coming back next year, not Lewis Seen. It's, uh, it's N'Kobe Dean. And, and, and I, I think Belichick's going to value those intangibles more than other teams might. Yeah, and you also got to remember, I mean, Kirby Smart was with Nick Saban for forever. If you don't think that he didn't establish his own relationship with uh, Bill right. Belichick, and I'm sure, sure Bill's called him as well, uh, N'Kobe Dean with, to the Patriots makes a lot of sense to me. I love his leadership abil- ability. Got some Gerard Mayo type of qualities to him. Different player. They're not the same guy, but I think that a lot of the skill set and things that made Gerard Mayo, the former Tennessee linebacker who was a first-round pick by the Patriots back in the day, what made them value him so much is a huge reason why I think they could really value Nicobe Dean as well. That shifts us to the Green Bay Packers at pick number 22. And I, I got to be honest, I really wanted in my own personal mock draft to see Traylon Burks fall to number 24. Cause I do mm-hmm. think that if he's there at 24, I think Jerry Jones could intervene and, and talk himself into the Arkansas. You know, Jerry Jones is an Arkansas guy. I can see him talking himself into you know, he's got other needs. You know, I think he needs, uh, you know, help on the back half of his defense a little bit more at safety. I think he needs offensive line. Definitely. They lost Connor Williams to the Miami Dolphins. Leo Collins signed with the, the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, and so I think this opens things up for them with the offensive line. But I also wouldn't have been shocked if they reached on Traylon Burks or not reached, but, uh, you know, mm-hmm. went away from a huge need to just a need. They did lose Amari Cooper. He's now with the the Cleveland Browns, and so they could use another receiver. They like having that big three with Michael Gallup and also C.D. Lamb, but I think the Packers are going to take Traylon Burks at number 22. I think it makes a lot of sense. It does. Yeah, and I mean, I think Edge is also a position they could target, but they're also going to have that number 28 pick, so I think that's going to be a spot where I'm going to look to maybe add an edge rusher. Um, They do have, you know, Rashawn Gary. They do have Preston Smith back, Zadarius Smith. He ends up I don't. I think he ended up signing with the Cowboys. Maybe he was originally going to go back to the Ravens. Then I think that fell through. I don't know who he's with now. In fact, that might have been the Vikings that went out and got him. Now that I think about it, he went to a division rival. But so you would think they still have Rashawn Gary. They still have Preston Smith. Why would they need a, an edge rusher in the first round? Well, their new, you know, D, one of their new defensive coaches recently came out and said we want rotation at that spot. We want to not have to sacrifice, and they don't. They have very little depth behind those two starters at edge rusher, so that's going to be a position that I target later. But they also need a receiver, and I think Traylon Burks, just a big body guy, didn't have the athletic profile as far as you know the way that he ran and stuff at the combine that a lot of people had hoped or expected. But he's still a fantastic receiver. I mean, eight catches for 179 yards and two touchdowns against Alabama uh, last year in, in 2020. He had 820 yards and seven touchdowns in only nine games that were played. For being a big body guy at 6'2", 225, you'd like to see a little bit more as far as at the catch point. I don't think he's great in contested catch situations, but I love the comparisons to A.J. Brown. Just a thickly built, very powerful receiving option with good body control. He can be a high-volume player. You have that in Devontae Adams. You traded him away. I could totally see Green Bay. They're going to want a big body receiver. 
they're not going to go with the Dotson types or the Olave types, in my opinion. And I think it's going to be Traylon Burke. So that's who I'm going to go with. I so, love it. I love it. Exactly who they should pick here based on the board. Uh, they've, they've, they've got to start making Aaron Rodgers happy other than just giving him all the money in the world. So give him a receiver too to go along with all the money. Money and, to uh, buy happiness. No, yeah. yeah. Receivers <laughs> do. They do. Uh, and I like it. So uh, is it Arizona 23? Arizona Cardinals, yep. Um, I think this is another team that's going to reverse course. I'm not sure what their plan is. I think they might like a receiver, frankly. But but, but uh, we've done a good job of, 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 of kind of clearing the, the first round of, of slam dunk first round receivers. I think Burks might be the last of the slam dunk first round picks. Although, I mean, I like Sky Moore. I like Christian Watson. Uh, I, I'm not convinced they'll go in the first round. I think uh, the Cardinals sort of reverse course here and go best player available, and they're they're surprised to find a uh, big defensive tackle Jordan Davis still on the board here. Uh, I, I think they they suspected Davis will be long gone. He's there. It's not to me. I'm I'm not convinced Jordan Davis will be a great NFL player, but I'm convinced he'll be a serviceable one so long as he uh, is, is committed to keeping his his weight under control. Uh, but 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 I do I do like Jordan Davis here. Yeah, they got they already have the big body guy and Jordan Phillips, and he's been an okay player. But I certainly think that they could end up, you know, improving at that spot. I really like George Karloftis here. I think uh, you I know like with, with them losing Chandler Jones. I mean, they got like Devon Kennard and you know Marcus Golden had a pretty good season last year. I think he broke double digit sacks. But when you look at those guys, the the current edge players that they have. Do we really think they're rolling into the season with that? You know, J.J. Watt has not played, you know, more than six or seven games in a season in like four or five years. I mean, it's, it's been a while. And so I do think they need a consistent edge presence. But Jordan Davis, just the value, man. I mean, I, what's interesting is going into this past year, when you watched him, you thought he was going to be a pure nose, right? You know, the two-gapping player, the, the space eater, purely a run stopper. We were completely wrong. I mean, when you right. actually look, turn on the tape, I mean, he did only play like roughly about 38% of Georgia's snaps. That's kind of the rotation that Alabama has too, where a lot of their players are playing about a third of the snaps. But then I did make an argument against Jordan Davis winning some of these awards over Will Anderson because it's like, okay, how are you going to give it to a guy who's on the field for 38% of the snaps when you've got Will Anderson on the field for 85 90%? He's doing it at a, at a much higher rate um, on a lot more from a snap-to-snap basis. But – Jordan Davis is a just an absolute disruptor. I mean, he, he, the, not, and that's not just because of like his straight line speed. I mean, being 6'6", 341 pounds, 34-inch arms, you know, a 4'7", 840, 32-inch vertical, those are athletic numbers that shouldn't exist. Running a 4'7", 840 at 341 pounds, I, I didn't even know that that was like possible. Uh, but not only is it possible, he's also – you know, he can move up and down the line of scrimmage. You know, you don't have to play him purely as a one tech or as an, as a nose tackle. He's a better pass rusher than giving credit for. I don't think he's an elite pass rusher by any means, but he can do so much as far as I think he's a guy who can play on all three downs. Now, is he going to play on all three downs? No, because he's probably going to get winded just like he did at Georgia. He's going to be, have to be taken off the field, but he's a much more of a disruptive presence. He's not that typical space eating nose tackle that a lot of people peg just because he's 341 pounds. He's so much more than that. So yeah, I, I do think he would Alabama be good in Cardinals offense. Yeah, I think Alabama fans and Alabama talk, uh, I think Jordan proved at the combine, he's not Terrence Cody. He's Marcel Darius. He's really Marcel Darius. He, he is a athletic, 
defensive tackle that can play in multiple schemes. He's not a 3-4 nose guard, space-eating Terrence Cody. He, he's, he's capable of so much more than that. And I think that upside, the, the hey, if we could even carve another 25 pounds off this guy and get him to play, you know, 60 snaps in a game. Uh, yeah, I, I just think he's too good to pass up. Although I love your pitch for Carl Loftus. Uh, that does sound like a much greater need for them. But once you get to this point in the draft, that's the conversation in the room, right? Need versus best available. It, it's the once you get past about the first six or eight picks, that's the conversation in every room. One hundred percent, yeah. And so now we shift our attention to the Dallas Cowboys. Like I said, Traylon Burks is no longer there. Don't think that receivers. I, I would say Traylon Burks would be the only receiver they would consider, and they really shouldn't even be taking him if he was available at twenty four. It's just. You know, like I said, that Arkansas connection, I, th I feel like they would find a way to justify it. But, you know, I think offensive line is a spot where they really need to try to figure out because, like I said, you know, you need a tackle. You lost Leo Collins. They've got some options. You've got other players. You know, uh, Zach Martin's starting to get up there in age. Tyron Smith is starting to get up there in age. This used to be one of the best offensive lines in the NFL, and just slowly but surely, it's kind of dwindled, and not only did you lose Leo Collins, but you also lost Connor Williams. You could probably use a center like Tyler Linderbaum. I think that's this is a little bit early for a guy like him, in my opinion. I think he's more of a late first-round pick. You know, and I think that Carl Loftus, the edge is a huge need because they have Demarcus Lawrence. He's kind of struggled to stay healthy at times. They went and signed Dante Fowler Jr., but they went after a lot more premier pass rushers and missed on a lot of them. I think they wanted Von Miller. I think they wanted... Zadarius Smith, they wanted a lot of different guys. And, you know, Randy Gregory was supposed to re-sign with them. He pivoted and signed with the Denver Broncos. So what ends up happening? You know, where, where do they turn as far as their edge players? And so where I'm trying to decide here is do I want to go Zion Johnson out of Boston College or do I want to go with George Carl Loftus, who I think is a good edge player out of Purdue? And at the end of the day, I think I'm going to go with George Carl Loftus. I think that pass rush and, and – their defense made so much improvement last year. It's amazing what happens when you add a quality pass rusher in Micah Parsons. And I don't think anybody was expecting him to be exactly what he was. But the right. Cowboys always seem to kind of pivot and kind of go a little bit different than what you were expecting. Uh, a lot of people, myself included, thought they would go corner. But I think Carl Loftus makes a lot of sense. So I'm going to go with him at 24. I like it. And Carl Loftus uh, seems like a Cowboy. I, I, I sort of like saw a good uh, profile of him. Great great kid and uh he is a max effort dude yep uh cowboys fans are gonna love him he's gonna be immensely popular 100 i mean one of the best motors in the class you know he's yep. a power edge he's not a finance guy excels in the leverage game can play in an odd or even man front great at you know uh getting offensive linemen off their anchors love the the leadership ability the energy not going to be like an elite run stopper which is kind of odd when you look at his size and power being 6'4", close to 270 pounds, you know, 21 uh, reps of the bench press. Not a quick twitch pass rusher, but he's a hustle player. I think he's going to end up being a good player for the Dallas Cowboys, so I agree. So who are you going to go with there at number 25 for the Buffalo Bills? Yeah, that's real interesting. To me, Buffalo is as loaded as anybody. They're going to be sort of my pick to, to win the Super Bowl next season. Uh, they're just looking for a final piece. Uh, that they need to make to make that run they're definitely picking in a position of the draft where where best available 
is uh, is very likely to be something that they're interested in, as opposed to a guy to specific position. And of course, they're you know they're they're, they're pretty loaded as is. Uh, you know, uh, I, I would you say a corner? Maybe, maybe Lunderbaum. Maybe Lunderbaum is, is a guy. Uh, I don't really know what their center situation is. I'm gonna go with who I think might be the best player left on the board defensively. And that's that's Daxton Hill from from Michigan, uh, high upside, super athletic. Uh, probably, it, you know, he's probably not that far removed from Kyle Hamilton. I think at Michigan they'd have liked to have seen Hill be a little more dominant as a player. Uh, he might have some of his best football in front of him. Uh, I, I just like Dax Hill could be along with maybe Wyatt from Georgia might be about the, the highest rated guys on the board defensively, but I'm going to, I'm going to say Dax Hill to Buffalo uh, based on best player available. Okay. And, and you know, Micah Hodge getting up there in age, Jordan Poyer, they've been an underrated safety duo on the back half of Buffalo's defense for quite a while. Um, but they're both getting up there in age. I think that that duo is kind of getting closer to its end. So going ahead and getting ahead of that and drafting a guy like Daxon Hill who can do a lot of different things for you in your secondary. Uh, I don't hate that personally with, uh, yeah, he can you know, corner. he can play nickel corner too. Yeah, he can. And, and they got Teron Johnson who plays some nickel. Uh, Levi Wallace ended up signing with the Pittsburgh Steelers. He's no longer in town. Tredavious White, uh, he's coming off of a major injury. Don't know how healthy he's going to be. Great player when he is healthy. To me, I think by far the biggest need for the Buffalo Bills is cornerback, and I that's why I probably end up sticking with Andrew Booth. But there, if they feel like Daxon Hill is higher on their board, there's enough justification with where their safeties are currently getting at at the, this point in their careers, where I could see them justifying taking Daxon Hill over right. Andrew Booth. I just so like got, Booth a lot. Do you have Booth high? So you got Booth higher than uh, Gordon and Elam. I do, and I, I'm a big fan of Elon, but I like Booth a lot. I mean, this guy was, you know, five-star pre, uh, oh. pedigree, instincts, right. physicality, ball skills, relentless competitor. And Clemson's and, defense was oh. awesome last year. That, that's been lost in all the, oh, they collapsed. Oh, they're not what they were. They were horrible on offense because their offensive line was truly horrible. While Alabama fans thought their offensive line was horrible, no, Clemson's was horrible. Clemson's offensive line was so bad they became what amounted to non-competitive for a while offensively because the offensive line was so bad. But Clemson's defense was every bit as good last year as they've been throughout uh, throughout their run. A hundred percent, yeah. And, and, you know, I, I, just to me, the, the Bills are close, man. They are really, really close. And any help player. Yeah, any help in the secondary, I think, is going to be very beneficial for that team. So I don't hate it. Going to pick number 26 with the Tennessee Titans. I really liked Kenyon Green there, an interior offensive lineman. I think Zion Johnson certainly fits here because you've built your entire offense around Derrick Henry and his ability to run the football. And, you know, Roger Saffold, he's now, I want to say he signed with the Buffalo Bills, if I'm not mistaken. And so you need help along your offensive line. You need to make sure that you're creating as much running room for Derrick Henry as possible. You can play your quarterback. And, and I think that Tennessee at pick 26 is an underrated spot for a quarterback to go. I wouldn't be shocked if they went with a quarterback there. I, I'm, I'm souring very much on Ryan Tannehill. But 
like I said, and if you get a quarterback, that would also take some pressure off of Derrick Henry. Wouldn't allow teams to stack the box quite as much if he ended up being a quality quarterback. But I think at this point in time, I think this makes sense. I, like I said, I like Kenyon Green there. He's no longer available after going to uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers at number 20. I'm going to go with Zion Johnson out of Boston College. More of a phone booth kind of player, you know, pure guard. I think that you know, he's not a great move interior offensive lineman. He's very limited athletically. I think he ran like a 5-240 at the combine. But he's big, powerful frame, ideal guard. And even though he's a, a little bit of an older player, which is concerning because he played a couple of years at Davidson in 2017 and 2018. Right. Then he spent three seasons at Boston College. So he's going to be a little bit older than some of these other guys. I still think he's kind of a plug-and-play starter there along the offensive line for the Titans. So I'm going to go with Zion Johnson, which moves us to number 27 in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Well, what do you give the team that's uh, that's got Tom Brady, right? And uh, in my mind, it's, it's another offensive lineman. I mean, you know, as, as Brady ages into his 50s, he's going to have to remain upright. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go Bernard Raymond here instead of Lunderbaum just because I think Raymond's – you know, there's, there's some positional versatility with him. He could be a guard or a tackle, uh, you know, and, and uh, I just like, hey, if you're, if you're going with a, with a quarterback in his mid-40s, you better have as many good offensive linemen as you can find. So I'm going to go Raymond from, uh, from Central Michigan uh, by way of Germany. Interesting pick, and I do agree. You know, I think in my mock draft, it was a priority for them keep the offense. I think that the, the defensive line anywhere in the trenches, I think Devontae yeah. White would make sense White. here. I think I wouldn't say Travis Jones, but yeah, I mean, I would say Devontae White would be a pretty safe option. I uh, don't think Tyler Linder, Linderbaum makes sense schematically or, you know, the fact they got Ryan Jensen at center already, you know, but the two big guys that I thought Kenyon Green, I thought he would have made sense. I would have thought Zion Johnson made sense, but now they're both gone left you to kind of pivot. Uh, they got Donovan Smith and, uh, and Tristan Wharf's there at tackle, but maybe they can move somebody to guard. And yeah, Raymond is is a pretty good player, and he's a guy that's climbing up up some people's draft boards. I view him more as a second round pick, but you are not alone at all in thinking that it's possible that he could sneak into the back half of the first. So don't hate that at all. Based off the w- way that the the way the board has fallen, I think I'm going to go with Mafee, Boy Mafee. Uh, I, I hope that's how you say it. The edge player out of Minnesota. Minnesota. Yeah, I, I like him a lot, man. I really do. I think that he had a lot of progress. You know, I think he had like 10 tackles for loss, seven sacks, right. kind of a bigger body guy, 6'4", 260 plus pounds, ran a four five three at the combine with a 38-inch vertical, very explosive player. I don't think he has ideal pass rushing instincts right now at this point uh, in his career, but he's got rare explosive traits for a pass rusher, and he plays with plenty of power, has, you know, great play strength. To me, I think he's more of a 4-3 base end, but I think in Green Bay's defense, he would fit just fine. They're looking for a rotation and outside linebacker with quality players. They've got two first-round picks. This spot makes a lot of sense for Boy Mafee. So now we're going to move on, and you get the first pick of Kansas City's back-to-back. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of people are going to be looking receiver here because they lost Tyreek Hill, but Kansas City, I hate to break it to you, the only Tyreek Hill in this draft is Jamison Williams. By the way, Makes sense. They have two first-round picks. You know, if someone if if someone's going to trade up for Jamison, this is the team to watch. Uh, I think uh, uh, Kansas City more than any other has a, a want for a player like Jamison and the draft capital to do it. So uh, that's just for Alabama fans listening to the show. If you're thinking someone could trade, you know, if there's a trade up, 
If you see Kansas City move up while Jamison Williams is still on the board, look for that to happen. Now, the question is at 29, is there a receiver out there that they think is worthy of the 29th pick? There's certainly none like Tyreek Hill that you could take uh, this high. Uh, that said, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick uh, right right here with with the the thought being that they are gonna take a receiver, and uh, I'll, I'll go with you know one of two guys that are probably more likely to go in the first few picks of the second round, but you can make an argument either one is a first round pick, but uh but I'm gonna go with Christian Watson from uh, North Dakota State here. I like that big body guy. Competition is is kind of a concern, but. He's a guy that's climbing, man, and I wouldn't be shocked at all. I think he's got some first-round traits. People like him a lot right now. Wouldn't be shocked at all with that. You know what? Sitting here at number 30, I think that now that you've addressed the wide receiver position, still think edge rusher is a very strong possibility. think cornerback is more likely. I had Kair Elam as my pick, I think, in my mock. As the corner, I didn't think that Andrew Booth was going to be there. So I'm probably going to go with Andrew Booth and go ahead and knock that need out. I mean, Chavarius Ward, he's now, I want to say he signed with the Raiders maybe. He signed with somebody else. So he's now gone. I think the three biggest needs are receiver, cornerback, and edge. You address one, I address the other. Now we're moving on to the Cincinnati Bengals. Anybody that saw the Bengals in the stretch run, uh, Burrow's just been hit too much. I, I think if, in my mind, if there's a lock for, for anything in this draft, it's that the Bengals, regardless of where they're picking and, and, and with no trades, we have them, you know, staying right, sticking and picking at 31 uh, offensive line. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's far and away their biggest weakness. Uh, I think Tyler Lunderbaum is the pick here. Uh, I, I think the Ravens could pick him as high as 14. So as at 31, he's a gift. Uh, he's a guy that can play center. He can play guard. Uh, wherever the Bengals need him most. Uh, I just see the Bengals almost certainly picking best offensive linemen available. They're going to go positional need as opposed to best player available because best player available, you got Gordon, uh, you know, another corner from Washington. Uh, you've got Koi uh, uh, Walker from Georgia, Christian Harris from Alabama. Devontae Wyatt is a, is a really good player to still be on the board. And frankly, uh, I, I'm always the guy every year in the draft screaming that the top running back in the draft should go somewhere around this area. I, I think Brees Hall from Iowa State is very worthy of a late first-round pick. If you're going to take Najee Harris at 24, I, I don't see why there's – and Pittsburgh's happy with that, by the way. I think they're happy that they took Najee at 24 last year. I, th then to me it's insane that you can't take Brees Hall anywhere from 24 to 30. But – uh. I've got the Bengals addressing the offensive line because Burrow just gets hit way too much. That that team needs an offensive line upgrade as much as anyone in this in the in the NFL. Oh man. See, now we're we're first of all, love that pick. It's one of my favorite picks in the entire draft. I don't care. You know, they, they signed Leo Collins, they signed Alex Kappa, the offensive guard for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They went out and signed Ted Karras, who can play center. He can play guard. I think the idea was for him to play center, and they were going to give Jackson Carmen their second-round pick out of Clemson from last year, a chance to win the starting job at guard. There are some other options there as well. But to me, just you've done such a good job of, of building this wall in front of Joe Burrow. And after the ACL injury from a couple of years ago, 
this was a move that had to happen. We saw him get beat up late last year, really the entire year, but especially down the stretch. This is a Super Bowl caliber roster. It really, I mean, they went to the Super Bowl. And I think building the offensive line with everything else staying relatively the same, I think is very key for them. And Tyler Linderbaum, he plays with great leverage, body control. He's athletic, excellent footwork, great competitor. He's a former wrestler, by the way, which I absolutely love. If you're talking about offensive linemen, a guy who used to be just a, you know, he's only 6'2", 296 pounds. So he's not overly big. And I think size does limit him in, in some ways. I don't think he's you know, going to be a mover in the run game or a power player. I think he's going to struggle with bull rushers a little bit, but he gets to the second level consistently, very athletic guy, you know, Joe Mixon at, at running back. He's now going to have a lot more room. Their run game should be a lot more effective. That will help open things up for Joe Burrow in the passing game even more. I love this offense. I think Tyler Linderbaum could be, you know, one of the final pieces. And I wonder if uh, Cincinnati, even though it was a different coaching staff, if they will be reluctant to, to take a, a center here because they tried it with Billy Price out of Ohio State a few years ago, ended up being a huge bust, was supposed to solidify the offensive line, and that didn't work out. But I think Linderbaum is, A, a much different player, and B, is a much, suf- uh, much safer player. So I love that decision. The problem that I'm running into with this 32 pick, because we got to get out of here, is there are pl- Devin Lloyd, there's no way he should fall out of the first round. To me, I don't think Travis Jones, the the defensive tackle out of UConn, I don't think he's fallen out of the first round, but he is in our mock because there's only 32 picks, man. It's tough, and right. I think you're correct. Brees Hall, I think, is a potential first-round pick. I think Tyler Smith could be up there. Kyir Elam, who I've talked about, Devontae Watt. I wouldn't be shocked if he fell out of the first round. He's a very steady player. But yeah, To me, Wyatt is, to me, Devin Lloyd is is the guy that, that never should have fallen completely out. But De- Devontae Wyatt. I would agree. I would put second, you know, in terms of like, wow, that guy wasn't taken in the first round, you know? Yeah. And the, the Detroit Lions, they're going to have a high second round pick. So it is possible. I could, what I foresee, because I think Devin Lloyd would fit with Detroit, certainly. I like it. And I could totally see them taking him. Now, what I think is going to happen, though, is they're going to say, well, we have, I think, the second pick in the second round. We think it's very possible Devin Lloyd could be there because there's going to be probably somebody moving up to that first pick in the second round to get the quarterback that they want. And so I think that Detroit ultimately ends up going quarterback here if they want a quarterback and they get that fifth-year option with that guy rather than Devin Lloyd. And I think even though I would go with Matt Corral, continue to reiterate these mocks are not what I would do. It's what I think teams are going to do. And I think Desmond Ritter is climbing up draft boards, and that's who I'm going to stick with with that 32 pick. And then they end up getting a guy like – Devin Lloyd there at the top of the second. You've got a lot of other good players there that are still available. It's just there's a couple that stood out. But, Jimmy, that's going to do it yeah. for our mock draft. We've been hey, talking for I, an hour and a half. I would agree, by the way, that Detroit would do exactly as you as you said. I mean, I think Ritter is going to go in that spot. So when we're grading ourselves, when we watch the draft Thursday night and we're looking at this to see how many of these picks we got exactly right, uh, here's what I'll say. I think Ritter will go 32nd. Also, agree totally. It just won't be Detroit making that pick. Okay. And hey, that's that's a fair statement. Um, and we'll give ourselves credit for Ritter at 32, though. Yeah. And one Regardless. thing to keep in mind with all these mock drafts is it's so much easier. It's like I said, I've I've learned at least in recent years, I've got a good feel for the top 10. Typically, I normally yep. get you know at least seven right, sometimes eight or nine. From there, though, there's so much reaction. Everything, it's like a, a fantasy football draft, right, where you're, you're reacting. You didn't expect a player to be at a certain pick, and you're like, wow. 
we don't really need this guy. We've we filled this spot in free agency, or we've had this player here who's been a good player for us, but he's too good of a pick. You know, we can cut that guy and save money and, and sign, you know, a need elsewhere. And we can get this player who's younger and, and has higher upside. It's like teams react. And so by the time you get to the late half of the first round, it is so difficult to get things correct. I want to say that every once in a while, I'll get one or two in the late half of the first round correct. And other than that, I'm really trying to peg positions at that point. If I get a position right, I give myself like half credit. Okay. You, know, you, had, you knew where this team was wanting to go as far as the position and how they valued it. You just didn't get the correct player. Maybe because some guys are available that you weren't expecting. Maybe because, because some guys aren't available that you were expecting to be there. And so that's ultimately going to end up playing a huge part. Like, NFL teams will be just as shocked. I mean, you know, the Devin Lloyd's of the world, there are going to be those kind of players on Thursday night who are, it's like, man, there's no way this guy should be available. And this is why teams picking at the very beginning of the second round, they get essentially an extra first round pick because there's first round talents always falling to the beginning of the second round. Always. That's and right. We had a couple, you know, Travis Jones and, and Devin Lloyd and Devonte Wyatt and a couple of other players who shouldn't have been second round picks, but they're going to be. And this was fun, man. We spent over an hour and a half talking about this. This is going to by far be the longest podcast we've ever had. I don't even know who's still along for this ride that's listening. <laughs> they might have bailed a long time ago, but I, I enjoyed it. I love talking yeah. about it, and this was a lot of fun, man. It was fun, and uh, yeah, it, was, it, was, it wasn't so much an Alabama show, although we, we tried to make as many Alabama references as we could, but uh, the draft is awesome. It's, uh, it's, the best, it's the best football day all year that does not take place during football season. So everybody should be excited. A hundred percent. I mean, I'm already planning out days in advance where I'm going to be, who I'm going to be watching it with, where am I going to have my computer? You know, we can't go anywhere without internet. I'm going to need internet to work, but it's going to be fun, man. I I can't wait. And I appreciate you hopping on here with me and doing this. I think this was fun. And I hope, you know, the listeners, even though it's a little bit different than things we've done in the past, I hope they enjoyed it too. So this has been the Bama on three show and I'm your host, Clint Lamb.